In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through Him, and without Him nothing came to be. What came to be through Him was life, and this life was the light of the human race. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A man named John was sent from God. He came for testimony, to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came to be through him. But the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to those who did accept him, he gave power to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not by natural generation, nor by human choice, nor by man's decision, but of God. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we saw his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, The one who is coming after me ranks ahead of me, because he existed before me. From his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace, because while the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only Son, God, who is at the Father's side, has revealed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Francis of Assisi is the most accessible of saints. He's like a garden gnome in a little habit with a halo. 
He sits there neatly between the bushes, not bothering anybody, a bird on one shoulder and a squirrel on the other. Like Snow White, music follows wherever he goes. Except that the real St. Francis was sort of terrifying. The poor man from Assisi was tough, and he was tough in ways that sort of a bookmark description is not going to carry. He had strict rules for his brothers about what they were allowed to bring home. They lived off alms. They had to beg their food each day, and they were forbidden to take money. One time, one of the brothers brought home a big sack of gold that he got from somebody, and he was excited. He thought he'd done real well because they'd be able to do a lot of good with the gold. Francis took the gold and chucked it into a pile of horse manure, told the guy exactly what he thought of it. Francis was so tough, he walked from Italy all the way to Israel. Now, he did this for two reasons. The tradition of pilgrimage, of, of going to the Holy Land, uh, is, well, comes from the beginning, from even before. The Jews themselves were sort of a pilgrim people, and, the, and their whole religious calendar revolved around feasts in the city. We Christians adopted that even more after the birth of Jesus. And so the Christian community of Jerusalem had kept the memory of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection alive, and Christians from all over the world would go to see the place where it all happened. So Francis went as a pilgrim, but he also was a man on a mission. See, the Holy Land had been overrun by Islamic forces, and things were very hard for Christians at this point. In fact, it was practically impossible to get to Jerusalem itself. So Francis decided that he was going to approach the Saladin, the head of the Islamic army, go in, preach Jesus, convert the guy to Christianity, and then everything would work out okay. Sometimes even saints overshoot a little bit. He and one of his brothers literally marched across an open battlefield with no weapons or shields or anything and sort of insisted on being captured by the enemy in order to go and meet the general. We don't know exactly what happened when Francis was brought to the general's tent, but we know that the general and Francis both left changed. The general did not become a Christian, but he did radically alter his policies and the way that Christian pilgrims were being treated along the way. Francis perhaps stinging with a little disappointment from not having caught the real big fish that he was after, made his way on to Jerusalem and visited the holy sites. And he came back changed. Now, Francis had been doing his, like, St. Francis work, like the being poor and rebuilding churches by hand and uh, dressing the wounds of lepers kind of thing. He'd been doing that for years at this point. So there was no question about kind of the fundamental orientation of Francis's life. He was a kind of living representation of Jesus at this point. So there was no question about sort of his own religious status. But this most faithful of Christians found himself standing in the holy city, in the places where everything happened, where everything finally came true, 
And he wanted it for everyone. He wanted everyone to have the experience that he had had of seeing where Jesus was born, of stumbling where Jesus stumbled on the way to the cross, of receiving Holy Communion in the room where it was distributed for the first time. Of course, it would be impossible for every Christian in the world to make it all the way to Jerusalem. We would struggle to do that even now. And so it was on this day, 800 years ago, that Francis of Assisi arranged the first nativity scene, at least in any way that we would recognize today. Now, don't don't misunderstand me. Christians have been carving or painting uh, the the Holy Family uh, huddled together on the night of the child's birth more or less from the beginning. There are images of this scene that go back way before where some people would have you believe us when we were celebrating Christmas. So, So the image isn't what's new. But what Francis did was he replaced paint and, and statuary with people. With people. So, of course, someone was made to play the Blessed Mother and someone else, St. Joseph. And there was no baby. Except that When Francis had arranged all of the characters each in their proper place in the midst of a cave stable outside the town of Greccio, when he'd got everybody in their place, live animals and all, people did see a baby. And it shone brightly. And they were so moved that one of the priests in the company, the one that was designated to celebrate Mass for Christmas, didn't do it at the regular altar. They built an altar right over the manger. It is no accident that Jesus' first bed is a trough from which beasts are made to eat. For he feeds us still, we who are so often beastly to one another. And he appears to us still, as with Francis, often in the most unlikely of places. This is important for all of us. Whether we're regular church people and so Christmas is the most natural thing in the world, or whether we're just here because we're with somebody else, This is important for us to consider because Francis is this great example that shows us that even saints, even living saints, find themselves in need of conversion. They still have places to grow, ways in which they can be even better Christians than they are right now. And perhaps more importantly, he intuited how profoundly experiencing Jesus could affect a person's faith. Francis did not only establish the first nativity scene in those early years of the 1220s, he also instituted another devotion, one you're sitting in the middle of right now, the way of the cross. 
the stations. Because the Christian community in Jerusalem has kept those stations at the actual places that they happened from the very beginning. And so, and so Francis rightly said, we will make every city a Jerusalem. Every path where anyone could trod will be where Jesus walks now. And any place where people could suffer is where the Lord suffers now. The crib and the cross are wood cut from the same tree. And the same act of humility which drives him to take flesh in the womb of the virgin and be born in the most unlikely and inconsiderate of circumstances, that same drive propels him all the way to the cross. Your God chose to be humble for you. Listen today, and please God in the days to come, to the carols, whether they're on the radio or in the shop or in your house opening presents. Veiled in flesh, the, gods, the Godhead see, hail incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. Now he lays his glory by, Born that men no more may die. Do you see what he has done for you? As Father celebrates the Eucharist for us this morning, gaze, gaze on this hay trough. Feed from this manger. Own your own beastliness and the areas where you need to continue to grow. Be willing to leave changed. For even saints are changed by the babe in the crib. And never ever doubt the power of God to do marvelous things, wondrous things, things far beyond your imagination. Francis didn't convert the one soul he'd set out after. But we do what we do today 800 years later because he was willing to try. Won't you?